You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. friends, although our friends are here, we come to meet him. But we come, it's a practice. I practice religion. Well, you do very good at it. But we're in a relationship with a loving, living God. And you know what? We feel like, well, I've given him this hour and a half on Sunday morning. I've done my part. I've put a little money in the box. I'm okay. Well, no, you're not. Not where the heart is. The heart of every problem is the heart. And if you're not spiritually awakened, you'll have a dead heart. Why do you go to church? Are you going through the motions of your religion, or are you in an active relationship with God? In today's message, Pastor Dave will challenge you to come to church for the right reasons. Don't just show up. Church is your opportunity to encounter God and engage your heart in worshiping Him. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 20 as he continues his message. Don't be a Eutychus. Paul tells Timothy that on your way to Troas, tells Timothy to stop in Troas and pick up his old robe that he forgot at Carpus' house. So because of that statement, many believe that this meeting here took place at Carpus' house. It doesn't say for sure. We don't know where it means, so we, but I'm just saying that's what we look at. It doesn't say for sure. But we do know that there were many lamps lit in the house, and this is strange because they obviously weren't too afraid of being persecuted. Now, there were two problems. Number one, they tried to keep it dark for persecution, but when they kept it dark, the people would go around telling everybody of the sexual promiscuity that was going on in the things because it was all dark in there. There were many people gathered in there, and they started talking that they were sexually immoral. They also said the darkness because they were cannibals. Well, they feasted on the blood and the flesh of Jesus Christ, so they were cannibals. So here, they had it well lit. They wanted, they, didn't want, they wanted anybody to know what was going on. They wanted everybody to know what was happening here. And they had these candles lit. Being the, with the lights bright and burning full contributes to the next incident that Luke records. In this incident, we see the wonderful power of God. The wonderful, wondrous power of God. And it's demonstrated in the midst of their meeting. Have you ever been in a meeting when the Lord really demonstrates his power strongly? I have it. It is just a wonder when the Lord demonstrates his power and moves mightily. Let's look at verse 9. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Here we meet our buddy Eutychus. Now, Eutychus means fortunate. The name Eutychus means fortunate, fortunatus in Latin, and he definitely was fortunate. But here we see Eutychus sinking into a deep sleep. It didn't happen all at once. The Greek verbiage that's used here basically means he was overcome by sleep, which meant he fought about it a couple times, and he tried to bend there. Wait a minute. You've been there. You know, when you sit there, you're fighting, you're fighting it, and the old head starts to bob, and you're, you're trying to hold on real tight, or, or it's going this way. And, you know, you, I've, you've been there. 
Poor Eutychus is sitting there. Now, let me picture this. You got a crowded room, an upper room. Where does heat go? Goes up. So not only is crowded, it's hot, you know? I mean, it's in Israel, and it's probably warm. There are lamps burning, which were torches. They were just torches, and the smoke was filling the air. Kind of like that room I was in back in Texas, you know, with that smell of the burning and the things like that. I emphasized with poor Eutychus. I said, yo, buddy, I know what's happening here. But he fought this battle. I'm sure he did one of these bobbins. You know. I'm sure he did that a couple times. But the word for sleep here is where we get our word hypnosis. So picture this. He's sitting there, listen to Paul speak. He worked all day. Give the guy a break. He's tired. And he's trying to listen to Apostle Paul. And on the color of his eye, there's a torch. And it's flickering. And pretty soon, you know, you know, he's, he has the old nod trick. He's tried real hard to hold on. To the, keep flickering, flickering. You know, it's almost like, look into my eyes. Like, poor Eutychus. He gets a bad rap here. We can all relate to Eutychus. I relate to him, man. When I think back of that, you know, when I think back to that power mechanics class, the first thing I do is I smell that gasoline, I hear that voice, and I go out like a light. Even now, I'm gone, man. I go out. It's, it's great. And yes, to answer your question, which you're all thinking, I have fallen asleep in church. Hopefully not at the pulpit, but I have fallen asleep at church. I have fallen asleep at church. Yes, I have. But not to where I was out completely, but I did the nodding trick, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to fight myself. Oh, you know, I've been there. So I can relate to what you're talking about. But sleeping in church can be hazardous for your health. We find out in this chapter right here, Eutychus finds out that sleeping in church is very hazardous for your health. He thought when he falls asleep, He's sitting on the window edge, so let's get the guy a chance. You know, come on. He says, I want to get a better look at the Apostle Paul. So he climbs up on the window edge, and he's sitting there. They don't have screens. This is Israel. First century Israel. There's no such thing as a screen. It was just an open window. And he's sitting there looking at the Apostle Paul. And he's going on and flickering the flame. You know, next thing you know, he wakes up dead. He falls out of the place. He falls out of the thing, you know. You've got to watch where you sit in church. You've got to watch it very careful. I wonder if Paul... Noticed it. As Paul was speaking, he was like, where'd he go? He was like, he's talking to a woman, he's there, a woman, he's not. Now, Eutychus names fortunate for a reason. Let's look at verse 10. Paul goes down, Paul went down, let's read it. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Paul goes down and falls right on top of the kid, just like Elisha and Elijah. Just falls right on top of the kid, right? And the kid comes back to life. Now, first of all, you got to get the, the naysayers. Well, he was never dead. He was never dead in the first place. He probably just got knocked out. Paul went down there and shook him a little bit, and he woke up. Well, who was writing this? Dr. Luke? You don't think Dr. Luke's seen a dead body? You don't think Dr. Luke knows what a dead body looks like? In fact, it even says, what did it say back in the other, the other verse? At the end of verse 9, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Look it up in the Greek, folks. Dead means dead. Not alive. He was dead. But people always wanted this. They always wanted to spell the word of God. They always want to, they always want to make it, you know, but it, dead means dead. Dr. Luke knows this. But you see God's power demonstrated here. Can you imagine the encouragement that happened to these people when they saw this? I mean, can you imagine? But I bet nobody fell asleep in that fellowship again for a long time. I bet nobody fell asleep in that fellowship. 
Let's finish up. He says, verses 11 and 12, it says, Now when he had come up and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed, and they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. Well, I guess not. The guy died, and now he's alive. I guess they were not. They're a little comforted. They were excited. Paul goes back upstairs and says, what's for eating? Let's go. Let's eat. Get some of that good pineapple stuffing. Let's eat. Paul had a lot more to say that night, and he kept on going, and he wanted to continue his exhortation. He wasn't going to stop for anybody. He wanted to give them all he had. He wanted to leave them comforted. He wanted to leave them edified. He wanted to leave them exhorted and filled. I wonder if anybody drifted off after that. I wonder if anybody really drifted off. To finish out this part, I have a little poem that someone gave me. It's a really, really neat little poem. And this is kind of wraps it up, and it's a little bit of warning. So listen up. It's called Poor Sleepy Eutychus. Poor Sleepy Eutychus, a sitting in without squirming, perching on a window ledge, here and end this sermon. Now his eyes are droopy, sitting way up high. Poor little, poor sleepy Eutychus is just about to die. St. Paul keeps on a preaching to our hero snoozing hard. Then Udy leans into the air and crashes in the yard. But Paul is an apostle, quite unlike other men. Run, down he runs to Eutychus and gives him life again. So if you're going to sleep in church, don't from the window fall. The man up front of preaching is not the apostle Paul. Some of us have fallen to the sleep bug. Some of the best of us have fallen to the sleep bug. But falling asleep in church doesn't really bother me. There are many reasons for it. What does concern me and what I want to finish out with is, is falling into a spiritual sleep. Falling into a spiritual sleep. And this is some scary business. Some come to church and use this time to prepare for the next day's activities. Some come to church and they use this time to prepare their shopping list or think of the things that they have to do after church or the things that they just did. Some would rather be at a garage sale or a sporting event. Not that any of those things are wrong. You want to see people stay awake? No offense, fishermen, but let's get up early tomorrow morning and go fishing. We're all going to be wide awake, man. We're all going to be there. We're all going to be really wide awake, and on the boat trip out, we'll all be like this, and nobody's going to sleep, you know? Let's go to a Bible study. It just happens. It just happens. But we have to be so careful. You want to see people stay awake, and, but they do. What really concerns me are those who come and seem to be perfectly wide awake, but they're spiritually asleep. Now, I've come up with three, three things as to why people are spiritually asleep. First of all, some of them have never been awake. Some have never been awake. You know, I attended a church as a young man. I listened to the preacher, sort of. I sang the hymns. I listened to people pray, but there was no depth or comprehension within me. I was just there basically taking up space because that's what you did on Sunday morning. I was there. It was something that I did. I got to see my friends. I got to hang out. I got to laugh. But I never really got it. Or maybe I was never taught it. I'm not sure. I don't want to put the, put the onus on my Sunday school teachers because they did the best they could. But I consider myself religious. I consider myself, I was an acolyte for the Lutheran church. I was the one that came out before the, before the processional. I lit the candles. Wore the little black robe with the white top on her. I did these things. I was comfortable in my religion. But I wasn't alive to the things of the Spirit. I didn't know spiritual things. I was spiritually dead. I did things I was supposed to do in church, but I had no idea what they meant, and frankly, I didn't much care. 
Could someone pass into eternity without recognizing their slumber sleep until it's too late? That scares me. They, they haven't woken up. They're still in practicing a religion. They still don't realize it's a relationship. It's a relationship that we have. We don't come here to be seen. We come here to see him. We don't come here to meet our friends, although our friends are here. We come to meet him. But we come, it's a practice. I practice religion. Well, you do very good at it. But we're in a relationship with a loving, living God. And you know what? We feel like, well, I've given them this hour and a half on Sunday morning. I've done my part. I've put a little money in the box. I'm okay. Well, no, you're not. Not where the heart is. The heart of every problem is the heart. And if you're not spiritually awakened, you have a dead heart. You need to be spiritually awake. So some are asleep because they, they've never been awake, but some are asleep because they're in sin or they're in compromising situations or even they've backslidden. These are true Christians who have experienced a spiritual awakening at one point or another, but now for some reason they're in, state, they're, they're in the state of a spiritual slumber. They're falling into unimaginable depths, but they still come. They seem to listen, but they're spiritually and morally asleep. They've compromised with the world, and it has progressively overtaken their spirituality, just like sleep progressively overtook Eutychus. It doesn't happen all at once. It doesn't happen automatically, you know, unless you fall into a deep sin, but even that doesn't happen automatically. The Lord gives us a way out of our sin. The Lord shows us a way out. He, he helps us, to, but, but we, we dabble. We, we dabble a little bit. We, we dabble in sin. And because we're not caught, we think it's okay. And that leads us into a deeper, deeper sin or, or deeper backslidden state. Or, or we get in compromising situations. Or we go, you know, I really like the world. I want to be in the world. I like my friends who are in the world. And I want to hang out with them. And I want to do all those things. That's okay, but you slide. You slide into a state of backsliddenness. You slide into a state of, of spiritual sleep. We have to be so careful as we start to compromise because one little compromise leads to a bigger compromise and then a bigger compromise and then a bigger compromise. And, and all of a sudden you look around and you go, how did I get here? How did I arrive at this place? I'm sure you've all heard my analogy of the old Varan system, the old, the old Loran system that used to have on boats. The old Loran system on boats that when you went out, it, it's, it's obsolete now, but, but used to go out and, and let's say you went off Atlantic City and you're off Atlantic City, and you did your fishing, and you caught your fish, and you're all happy, and you're ready to go back. And let's say Atlantic City's Loran setting was 692. So you put in 69.2, and the boat would take you right back to a marina, right back to the Farley Marina, and you'd park your boat. Well, let's say you were in your boat, and you had a few too many, and you put in 694. You're just two ticks off. Two ticks off, the land, so the land goes boom, and your boat starts to steer. And pretty soon you, you go. Pretty soon you go. And you continue to go. And you continue to go. Well, you're only two ticks off, and you continue to go. Next thing you look up, it's Nova Scotia. Well, you're only two ticks off. You compromised. The system can't work unless it's correct. Even a little compromise causes us to be off causes us to be not right. We have to be ever so careful. So people see that. Screwtape, who was the senior devil in C.S. Lewis's Screwtape letters, he says to his trainee Wormwood, he says this, quote, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. 
Just a easy slide. Right down you go. Eutychus fought hard, man. He fought hard to stay awake, but he kept on drifting off. And off he went. That's what happens in our spirituality. You're fighting hard to stay spiritually alert, but you're getting bombarded by all the things of the world and all the circumstances are just knocking you over. And you keep fighting, you keep fighting, and then you start to slip. And one of these days, you get up and go, oh, the heck with it. You're in trouble because you start to slide. And the slide becomes a slippery slope, and you just slide faster and faster. So some are never awake. Some are in sin. And then there's even those who are asleep because of familiarity. Familiarity. The Bible becomes dull. I know that story. I've heard the story of Eutychus a million times. I know that story backwards and forwards. Why should I listen to that? I'm not going to get anything out of it. You're familiar with spiritual stuff. You probably know the Bible backwards and forwards. You might even know it better than I. But you've lost, the Bible somehow has lost its significance. You have all this head knowledge. You don't have this heart. There's no heart transformation. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a problem here. You can't get it from here to here anymore. And, and, and you're sliding. Lewis also stated that none are so unholy as those whose hands are cauterized with holy things. We're dull and we're desensitized by spiritual things. Used to come to Bible study all the time, but you know what? I just, I'm not going to go to Bible study anymore. I, I, I can do this on my own. I have many people tell me, you know, I don't have to be at church to meet the Lord. That's correct. You do not. That's correct. You're 100% right. But I guarantee if you start missing, it becomes a habit, and pretty soon you're missing a lot, and pretty soon you're going to wonder where you are, and then you're going to wonder why have things gone miserably wrong, or why don't I have the peace in the midst of this time when things are so miserably wrong? That's what we do. It, 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 it's scary. It's scary. These are the ones that take God for granted. We take God for granted. We talked about his majesty this morning walking into the throne room. We take him for granted. And this has really been on my heart lately, but taking God for granted. Wow. Christianity and church is just, well, ho-hum. And they become bored with Christianity. I need to be livened up. The, the pastor needs to be funnier. He needs to be more, expl- I, I need this, I need that. They start finding fault with everything because it, they're dull and they're bored. They've lost that, that sense how do we stay awake? I mean, how do we not be Eutychus? How do we stay awake? Well, each of us should periodically take a spiritual check of ourselves. We should check ourselves to see where we are. Check, check on ourselves, and we should have accountability partners to help check us, to help look to us and go, hey, man, you know, I'm not, I love you, but you're, you're kind of iffy in this area here. We need to check where we are spiritually, and every month, at communion, if you notice, every month at communion, I try to get you to do that. I try to get you to see where you are. See where you're standing in the faith. See where you are with Christ. Is it the same? Do you look forward to your relationship with Christ, or are you just, nah, uh-huh. Now, granted, we all have days. I'm, you know, I'm not saying we all have to, but if you get into a habit of the oh-hums or the ho-hums, you're in trouble. And I love you too much to see you slide. I love you too much to see you fall. I love you too much to, to, to see the hurt and the pain that's going to come from that. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And I would want one of you come to me and go, Dave, you're going down the wrong path here. Something's wrong. I would want that. But if I do it, you get angry at me. And you don't understand why. I, I love you guys. 
This is my life's dream. This is my heart's desire to stand here and to teach you God's word and to talk to you. God has given me my heart's desire, and I want to share it every bit I can with you. And I want to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how many people are here. I want to see you grow. I want to see you become strong in Christian faith and strong in your beliefs and, and know what you believe in. That way we're redoing the truth project because it's so important for us to have a biblical worldview. It's so important in this day and age for us to know what we believe. Do you believe what you believe is really true? We need to know that. It has to be solid and we can't back down. You know the answer. If you've never been truly awake, well, then you have to ask God for his grace and help, help you to believe. You've got to confess your sin and you've got to declare that by faith that Jesus Christ is your Lord. You've got to ask Christ to make you brand new, to be born again. Yeah, I said it, born again. We believe in that. We believe in John 3. You must be born again. We believe in that wholeheartedly. We must receive him as our Lord and Savior. When you do this, the church will come alive. His word will come alive. Everything will be different and new. If you're already the child of God, and, and you're in slumber due to sin or backslidden condition or compromise, we got to repent and make a U-turn for Christ. we got to get out of the sin, leave it behind, and come back to Christ. He told the Ephesians, you've left your first love. You haven't lost it, but you've left it. You left it on a shelf someplace. Return to your first work, love. Return to do your first works. Well, what was that? Believe. Have faith. Come back to me. We must return and let him fill our hearts with joys. We must recognize our every need for him because we need him so desperately. And we must, must allow the joy of worshiping him just flood over us and wash us. You're declaring your love for him. If we suffer familiarity, we must consciously and deliberately participate in all our hearts in worship. You want to know a way to get away from familiarity? Throw yourself into the Lord. Throw yourself as best you can and really worship him with your whole heart, with your whole life. Worship him. We must sing praise songs as if we were singing them to the Lord because that's who we're singing them to. We sing these songs. A lot of them are right out of Scripture. A lot of them are right out of Scripture. We have to shut out the obstacles. We have to shut out the hindrances. And we have to, we have to close our mind off to those things that are bothering us. And, and we have to receive all that he has. We have to pray without ceasing. We have to listen to the Word of God when it's taught, knowing that indeed the true Word of God is that what we're listening to. And we must receive it as it is, the true Word of God, and allow it to do what it's supposed to do in our heart. Like Eutychus, when we do that, we'll be brought back to life. There's true life in Christ, true life and mercy and grace. We'll be brought back to a, to a living relationship with Him. We'll be brought back. Our joy will be restored. Our confidence will be restored. Will circumstances change? I don't know but you won't care. <laughs> you'll, you'll have the joy of the Lord so deeply in your heart, it won't matter whether the circumstances change or not because you'll be so in love with the Lord, but you'll know that something's going to good come out of it because he promised that. We need to get back to spiritual life. We need to avoid sleeping. We need to avoid spiritual sleep. Paul told the Ephesian church in Ephesians 5.14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The answer is still the same, Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is, and that's where our awakeness is in Him. Don't fall asleep. Don't be Eutychus. You are a sure You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, 
even when it cost him his life? What courage in the midst of opposition? Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope. Show.